Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Through the Eyes of a Therapist podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Martinez Acosta, licensed professional counselor, board certified therapist. We're getting really close to wrapping up season two, which was all about exploring different mental health professions. Today's guest is Janet Nicholas. She's an equine therapist. Equines are horses, and so she uses them as associates in therapy. This is a really interesting interview, and I'm super excited to release it because there are different types of therapies with horses, and so Janet speaks to us about how she works with horses in the counseling process. As you know, previously on the podcast, we have interviewed different types of mental health professionals, just other people that work in mental health and psychology. And so I really am interested to hear what Janet has to say to us. So hello, Janet. How are you? Hi, Crystal. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. So let's go ahead and start with you introducing yourself to all of us. Okay. Well, I am an LPC and I'm also a licensed chemical dependency counselor. And those are things that I've been doing for over 20 years now. And so I have a a traditional in-office practice, but I also have my grassy office, as I call it, uh, which is my arena where I work with equines and incorporate them into a counseling setting. That's cool. You call it your grassy office. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's really my favorite office because I get the sky and I get the trees. And uh, so it's really my, it's my favorite office. That sounds amazing. So you've been doing this type of work for 20 years. Uh, well, I've been an LPC and an LCDC for, um, I've been an LCDC longer. I started out in psychiatric hospitals and I started out as a licensed chemical dependency counselor. And then I returned um, to get my graduate degree. Equine therapy, I started doing almost 13 years ago. So that was something new that I incorporated into my practice because I had, I had witnessed it, I had seen it, and I was just completely blown away by what happened when you introduce equines into a counseling scenario. That's awesome. So yeah, let that leads to my first set of questions. And um, we all want to know what equine therapy is, first of all. So can you explain what that means? Well, I'll do my best because it's hard to explain. And that's why I have professional days every year for professionals to come out and participate because it's really hard to describe uh, how it works and, and people laugh and they're like do you do therapy on horses uh, like I'm doing counseling <laughs> for the horses and and actually it, it, it can be therapeutic for the horses but I'm not doing therapy on horses I am doing therapy and the horses are co-facilitators so it is a modality of therapy where you are doing um, counseling psychotherapy with patients but they are incorporating the horses, the equine piece into it. And you can use donkeys, you can use miniature horses, you can use draft horses, which are some of the largest horses. You can, you can use all sorts of kind of horses. Um, and they make for very unique facilitators because they are prey animals. And I'll spell that, P-R-E-Y animals. So they have startle responses. And basically what a horse tries to do all day long is stay alive. It is bred into them that they are the hunted, and so they are highly sensitive to all aspects of sight, sound, touch, um, hearing, smell. 
they are very in tune with the environment and they're very in tune with people because they don't know if we're prey or if we're predators. So when I bring a client into um, my arena and work with one or more of my horses or my donkeys, I never know what's going to happen. And this is what makes it super exciting and interesting uh, because I tend to be a bit of a perfectionist and you cannot be a perfectionist in this work. Hmm. You really have to follow the process and you have to take your cues and you have to watch the horses uh, because they give us a lot of feedback about people that come out. Our horses and our donkeys do things with clients that they never do with my husband and I. Hmm. Interesting. So, I mean, that makes me want to ask, what makes horses a good choice for animal therapy? Well, part of that is because, as I was mentioning, they're prey animals. So they are large. Uh, My horses are fairly large horses. And so when you, it's different than having a dog. I do take my dog to work with me to my uh, regular in-office practice. But it's a very different experience with a horse. A horse, you cannot call them, and they'll come running over to you like a dog will. You can bribe horses, and we really don't like for our clients to bribe because that is metaphorical in life. Um, You know, bribing only gets us so far. That's not really relationship building. But part of what makes horses amazing at this is that they're herd animals, H-E-R-D. They're herd animals, and they are relational. So they're very curious, but they are also cautious. So you have to work at building a relationship with a horse. And sometimes what that does metaphorically, Crystal, is it brings up so many things for people, not only in their head, like if they've had rejection in their life and they cannot get the horse to engage with them, um, it can it, sometimes it can bring up some very deep emotional responses in people because it's very similar to their life. So they have to work at learning how to build that relationship with that horse and to build a partnership. Mm-hmm. It's it's really quite amazing. So not only does it bring up deep-rooted issues for us, or it can, but it also can bring up somatic responses, positive and negative. So, for instance, when I ha- sometimes when I have a teenager or a pre-adolescent that comes out, they may have great difficulty sitting in a counselor's office and talking to them. But when I give them a brush and we just start brushing the horses, because it is sensory and it's kinesthetic, they begin to brush the horse. And, you know, so often they start talking right away because mm-hmm. they have an activity to do and they're engaged with this very, very large animal. Yeah, I'd imagine that that's what makes the horses unique versus other animals, right? So you're describing so so. kind of like some of their inherent qualities and how they're they're prey animals, they're herd animals, they're just really large. And so right. these kinds of things make them unique versus Absolutely. using another kind of animal. Right. And they're very curious and they're also relational. Horses are very much about uh, relationship because that's how they stay alive. Mm, I see. Is by the herd working together, and each person in the herd has a job. Can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to do equine therapy? You mentioned that you got to witness some of this, but what was it that made you, because it sounds also like a really big investment and a change in paradigm, right, in treatment. Um, So what was it that made you want to really just go this route right well crystal that's a great question and i will tell you what well part of it goes back to me being a teenager i got my first horse when i was nine years old 
And even prior to getting my first horse, I was obsessed with horses. And I, I never had one prior to age nine. And my horse was the thing that got me through my very difficult teenage years. I mean, my, my horse, I, I can start crying right now just thinking about her and what she meant to me and how she helped me through so many things. Mm-hmm. So you have to push the pause button there because what happened is as I got to be around 18, I sold my horse and really got out of of being with horses. And I kind of went on with my life and got married and had children. And my children were terrified of horses. I hmm. thought for sure that we would be doing um, horse things together. But my children had no interest in that. So what we had to do was... Go on. I wanted to do the things that they wanted to do. Like you said, I mean, horses are a big investment. They're expensive. Uh, they're not like caring for a dog. Um, they they have to be fed and taken care of in a totally different way. Years ago, probably about 20 years ago, I was invited out for a professional weekend at Sierra Tucson in Tucson, Arizona. And uh, the marketing rep then was Ellen Plays, and she invited me out. I was very excited because I knew they had an equine program, and I'd heard about equine therapy, but I'd never seen it. So one, we and we had to act as if we were patients every day that we were there for the professional weekend. So we got up that morning to do the equine therapy, and I was so excited. And it was a complete um, olfactory and somatic response for me. I can't even put into words, but it was actually mm-hmm. hysterical, Crystal, because there's nothing funnier. Because I was there with eleven other professionals. Mm-hmm. There's nothing funnier than eleven professionals watching one professional lose it. And we're all counselors, and I could not stop myself Hmm. from going into The harder I tried to stop crying, um, the more I cried. And all they did, I mean, we hadn't even started the group. They let a horse out in the arena, and it was an Arabian horse. And if you know anything about Arabians, they're very beautiful in how they carry themselves. And so this horse was running around the arena, and I could smell the barn. And it just, it literally took me back to being 14. And how much I missed this part of my life. And I just shoved it down. And so it was the easiest group that this therapist probably ever had to do because she didn't even have to start group. I could not contain my sobbing. And so I, um, and then we were assigned an activity to do. So I firsthand experienced it. And I said, one of these days, I am going to do this. And she really challenged me. She said, Janet, why are you not doing something with horses? I said, well, we don't have land and we still live in town. And my last kid is not interested in uh, moving. And and she kind of yelled at me. She said, Janet, you live in Texas. There are horses all around you. Go volunteer at a barn. So I started volunteering at a hippotherapy barn. And I did want to mention hippotherapy, Crystal, because it's different than what I do. Hmm. Hippotherapy is riding therapy that includes an occupational therapist and a physical therapist. And most people think equine therapy is hippotherapy. And they're two very different things. It's not that hippotherapy cannot be very um, therapeutic in a psychological way, but you're not doing counseling. It's writing instruction that has an OT and PT um, effect to it. And a lot of times it's for kids with autism or adults or children or teenagers that have developmental delays or they have some type of physiological challenge. Mm, And so I started out doing that and I loved it because I was around horses I saw amazing things happen with hippotherapy, but I just knew it wasn't my thing. 
And so I sought out to um, to buy land. My husband and I, uh, we, we found some land outside of our town. And as soon as my son went off to college, uh, we began building our house and building a property to where I could have horses again, knowing that someday I was going to do this work. Mm-hmm. So, it, I mean, it sounds like it goes way back in your life where you had your own horse and then kind of having this like reawakening kind of experience when you went on this training. Um, and then that really inspired you to really invest in it because you you know what it I guess the love you had for it was, you know, really obvious and apparent to you. But also um it just sounds like it was a natural fit for you also. And it's something that you kind of can't deny, right? Like once you find that thing that you're passionate about and that you fit with, I mean, you can't say no, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And that's a great way of putting it is that it, it truly was an awakening because I just figured I was never going to have this in my life again. And, and I just shut it off. Mm. And, um, you know, and there was no shutting it off. It was still there. And so, but it definitely was an awakening. And so, yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing that I wanted to say about equine therapy, because again, a lot of people think you have to like horses or be passionate about them like I am. And that is, that couldn't be further from the truth because equine therapy can be good for OCD. Some people do not want to touch a dirty horse. And so sometimes I will intentionally leave my horses dirty because it's like an exposure exercise uh, to groom a dirty horse or have them clean their feet. So equine therapy is not for horse lovers. It is for all sorts of types of issues and even for team building for corporations. I mean, I also do that. So it's good for leadership. It's not, it's not just for people that love horses and want to come out and have a counseling session with a horse. I see. Yeah. So I think that's part of um, a question that I have is um, who can participate in equine therapy? And so you're saying that it can be, you know, something that would be treated like in conventional therapy. So something like OCD or maybe ADHD or anxiety or Mm -hmm. depression, but it can also, it has other benefits and uses. Oh, absolutely. And um, for people with anxiety disorders that they're terrified to come out and walk a large animal or to work with a large animal, you know, it helps people to address their fears, their phobias, their anxieties. Uh, It can be great for marriage counseling to help couples learn how to negotiate and uh, to get feedback from the horse. You know, it's good for individual therapy, for family therapy. I mean, I have families that come out. And, um, you know, and I also do groups for the Eating Recovery Center here in the Woodlands. And um, they have also a downtown group. So I do um, I do groups for, it's amazing what happens in those eating recovery uh, groups. So it, that's a whole different um, way of thinking through how you're going to do therapy with um, that population. So how did you learn how to do this? I'm, I know that you had been licensed as an LPC, then LCDC, which is Licensed Chemical Dependency Counselor, and then you moved to equine therapy. What kinds of training and education do you have to get um, to be able to do this type of work? Yeah. Um, well, actually, Crystal, um, you don't really have to have anything. I mean, you can do whatever you want because it's not a licensed uh, entity at this point or modality 
but I would not recommend that you just do it. Um, I was a little arrogant because I felt like I knew a lot about horses and I know a lot about counseling. So I went ahead and went to a training, though. I, I knew I needed to get some training. But I thought, well, this is just going to be a, a great blend of things that I already do. And so I got my training out in um, Lubbock, Texas, through Patty and Randy Mandrell. And they are some of the most amazing people. And I did it through the EGALA model, E-A-G-A-L-A um, is the name of the organization. And I got my training there, which is where you have to have two people in the arena. You need one person to be watching the horses, and then you have the counselor. And you also need um, that equine specialist to give you feedback about what's going on with the horses. So when I first started doing this, I thought, I can do both because I know both. And the first time I had my first session, I was shocked about how much stuff was going on and how I just couldn't keep up. Uh, with all of the dynamics that were going on in the arena between the humans and the and the horses. Mm. So, um, but the Agala model wants you to have two people in the arena, and um, and a lot of insurance liability companies want you to have two people in the arena, and that work is done on the ground, which means there's no riding. You never mount the horse uh, with uh, the Agala method that you're trained to do. There are some models that do incorporate riding activities. I don't do those personally myself, but there are some groups out there that train that where you can also do mounted activities. But things change when you're on the back of the horse because you're, you can't see the horse's face, the horse cannot see you, and sometimes it ends up getting into more riding instruction than actually doing counseling. But, but there are methods of incorporating mounted work, but uh, there's also E3A, um, and they're another organization that train people to do um, personal uh, development and wellness workshops. They train you how to do uh, team buildings uh, with corporations, and I've done those that training with them with E3A. Uh, there's PATH, P-A-T-H. Uh, that's another organization that trains you to do this work. So you do get a certification. And you get a piece of paper saying that you took the training and that you're certified. And some of these organizations require that you're mentored, which I think is excellent because it is. Much, it looks really easy when you're out there doing it, but um, it has taken me years to really feel comfortable and to really get good at this modality. It is nothing like sitting in my office and having a counseling session. Mm-hmm. So you do, you, you know, I would highly recommend that you get training and go to as many trainings as you possibly can and find someone who can mentor you um, because it'll just, it'll just make you better at doing this. It, it'll make it so much richer for you. And what about the horses? Can you use any horse or does the horse need special training to do the work? Well, actually, um, you can use any horse, but, but not any horse can do this work. Um, this is very mm-hmm. emotional work for the horse because they are such sensitive animals. Uh, and I can tell you that usually after my horses, um, like Saturdays are long days for me. So some days I start at eight in the morning and I finish at three in the afternoon. I have one horse that knows how to open the gate. So we have to keep a lock on it. But when he's done, he goes over to the gate and starts uh, banging on the gate and moving the hinge on the gate saying, I'm ready. I'm done. I've Mm -hmm. seen as many clients as I can see today. And so some horses cannot take the emotional heaviness that comes with some of this work. 
they just can't. And you do have to work to make sure that your horse is desensitized because we use all sorts of things in the arena. We use ropes. We use, um, you know, so a horse that cannot manage a rope getting wrapped around their leg, that could be very dangerous. So your horse needs to be desensitized to things like hula hoops or flags or whatever you're going to use in the arena. You must practice with that horse to make sure they can tolerate that. But some horses just cannot do the work, and they'll, they will get mad. They will pin their ears a lot. I mean, they're trying to tell you, this is not my job. I'm not mm-hmm. set up to do this. Mm-hmm. And um, I just ended up being very fortunate that um, that all the horses that I had, they love doing this work. But they are just like us, Crystal. They can get burned out. And so I try to be very um, careful with my horses. They get chiropractic. They get um, acupuncture. Um, they get time off, just like we have to do for ourselves. We have to manage and make sure that we're taking care of ourselves and getting self-care. I make sure that my horses, when they have to go to the grassy arena, sometimes what we do on days that we're not working is I take them in there, we play games, and I hide treats, and they have to run and go find the treats. So that I'm trying to teach them that every time you go in this arena, it does not mean you're going to have to do this heavy emotional work. Mm, right. So we have you have to take care of your horses uh, in a very judicious way and you have to watch for burnout with your horses just like we have to do for ourselves yeah and i it makes sense because you're describing them they're not like a tool for therapy they're co-facilitating therapy exactly it makes a lot of sense that you'd have to um, really take care of them exactly well said i wonder how much you have to know about horses to do this work also Well, you do need, I mean, you can be a therapist and do this work uh, as long as you have an excellent equine specialist working with you who really knows the horses. And you have to know your herd. Um, I have been hired to go out, uh, for for instance, a couple of years ago, I was hired to go out and do a team building with a colleague for 130 professionals Hmm. from a big uh, company out in California. And I had to fly out two days early because I had to go meet the herd. I had to go meet the horses. I had to let them get familiar with me. So it's, you know, you have to have someone who knows the horses and who knows the herd and who can explain to you what's going on with the horses if you don't have any horse knowledge as a therapist. But I do encourage therapists to go get trained in this modality because it only makes it richer if you can read and understand the psychology of a horse. Why a horse is doing what they're doing. Something as subtle as a horse licking their lips is a huge, huge verbal sign from a horse. That's how they verbalize, is through their body language. And if you don't know all those things, I mean, it's great that your equine therapist knows them. But it becomes even richer as you learn from your equine therapist and as you learn from your trainings. So you get better and better about you can reflect back to the client or the clients that are in the arena with you uh, or the corporation that you're working with. You can reflect back so much better to them if you understand horse psychology and you can read what I call read a horse. So just like we read clients in our counseling rooms. Uh, being able to read a horse is um, takes skill and it takes learning and it takes practice 
and it takes knowing your herd that are the, the animals, the horses or donkeys that you're working with. All right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, since they are your co-facilitator and they're, they're there doing the work with you um, and they're part of the counseling work, um, it makes sense to have at least some basic knowledge about what's happening in the dynamics, right? Like with the horse and the person um, or whoever is interacting with the horse as a client. Absolutely. Um, what do you think the best part of your job is? Oh, well, it's being with horses. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I absolutely, um, like I said, it's a passion of mine. I, I can't explain it. Um, if I'm having a stressful day, I can just walk out in my pasture and stare at my horses. And I just, that is mindfulness for me. I don't think about anything else. So um, I love sharing my horses with other people. And I love seeing people respond the way that they do. And I love that, you know, I'm, I used to not like unpredictability. But I, now I really cherish the unpredictability because I get excited every time I'm going to do a session. I never know what's going to happen, and that is more exciting to me now than it used to be scary. When I first started out doing it, it was very unnerving for me. But now it's, it's so unique, and it's wonderful to be able to tell a client, I have been doing this work for going on 13 years, and I have never, ever seen this horse do this with anyone. Hmm. And... Um, I had that happen last week, and they were just like, really? And I'm like, no, really. This is so unique and so unusual, and I hope that you will go home and journal about that and take that in. Um, so I think those are the parts that I really love, um, Crystal, and I, I just, I'm always amazed at what my horses and what my donkeys do with people. It's just, it is such a privilege to be able to work with amazing equines and to work with amazing clients that are courageous and willing to come out and try something different and try something new. I also want to know what, I guess, some of the general advice or tips that you have for people who have been thinking about pursuing a career in equine therapy. What are some of the things that, let's say you were talking to yourself um, before you started equine therapy? What's something that you think that person would need to hear? Well, you need to think about, um, you know, what makes it um, challenging is you need to find a, a teammate to work with you. You need to find someone who is an equine specialist who really can read horses. So that's a little bit different because when we're in our counseling room, we don't need a team member to come in and help us do counseling. So that makes it a little challenging to find someone and also to find someone who has horses that are good for this kind of work that can take the emotional heaviness that comes along with the work and that are desensitized to, you know, a variety of, of things. The other thing is, is to, you know, again, to, to get training and to read up some on it first. Um, and, you know, if you don't have your own horses, then you've got to find someone who has horses that you can use. And, um, you know, one of the books, one of the founding people in this field, even before Igala and all these other places that, um, that are now doing this training, is I, w I want to mention this lady because in, I want to mention this book because this is a great book to read 
to understand more about equine therapy, and it's called Adventures in Awareness, Learning with the Help of Horses. And this lady, Barbara Rector, was actually the one who started the program at Sierra Tucson. She was gone when I went out there for my professional my professional weekend out there, but Barbara Rector is just groundbreaking, and she's still out there doing the work, and she's still breaking new ground. But uh, this is a great little book to start with, Adventures and Awareness. And I read from this book uh, when I start a group sometimes because some of her stories will just be so amazing and enlightening and exciting for you to read. So read up on it first. Mm -hmm. And then check out the different um, organizations, you know, like EGALA, PATH, um, uh, E3A. Check out those organizations and... Uh, what a lot of these organizations have now is they have, um, you can go on and you can watch some of their uh, videos or you can li- listen to webcast or podcast so that you can find out more about it and see how people are doing it. Um, so those are, those are some good things that you can do to kind of start dipping your toes into it and seeing, man, is this something that I want to do and that I'm willing to invest the time and the work in to find out? But you have to understand that not everybody wants to do equine therapy. And so this is not exclusively what I do. I have a very busy in-office practice, too, but my equine therapy practice is equally busy. Um, So you just have to know that it takes time to market it because a lot of people do not understand what it is. They just don't get it. They don't understand. They're like, I don't want to get dirty, and I don't like horses, and, you know, I have no desire to be around horses. Well, that's not what this is about. You know, this is about stepping out and stepping into something new and different and giving yourself an opportunity to explore therapy in a whole new and different way. Yeah, so the startup might be a little slow just depending on where you're at or if there's like um, just misinformation or myths kind of wandering around about equine therapy. So people need to be aware of that. And I think it's really uh, sound advice, you know, to do your research before you decide to invest in this. Um, and I think you had mentioned earlier, even looking for a mentor or somebody who can supervise you while you do some of this work. Um, yes. And some of these organizations require that, you know, they require that you have, um, somebody to mentor you. The problem is there's not that many people doing it. And so it's like when I started it, um, it was only myself and uh, Dr. Laurie Baldwin uh, down in the south side of Houston. She and I were the only ones that I knew of that were doing this in all of the Houston area. And so she and I were both learning at the same time, and we didn't have any, um, we didn't have anybody to mentor us. You know, we just kind of kept going to these seminars and different trainings to get more training, but there was no one here that that we could find to mentor us. I see. Okay. So, I mean, now you've been doing this for a while. I also want to give you a chance to, if you feel comfortable with doing so, talking to us about your business and your practice and maybe where people can find you or if they have other questions. Yeah. Sure. Um, Well, how you can find me is on, I have two websites. Um, I have one for my counseling business, and that is my first and last name, JanetNicholas.com, and that's J-A-N-E-T-N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S.com. And that's for my counseling practice. Uh, That includes therapeutic placements. I help parents um, 
place their teenagers or young adults when they can no longer live in the home. And that's also my uh, career assessment uh, counseling practice as well. And you'll find all that on that one website. My other website that is exclusively for my equine business is called trails-less-traveled.com. So you can read all about um, equine therapy, my equine therapy practice, and um, from that website. And it also has some really wonderful pictures of clients that agreed to have their pictures made and some team buildings that I've done and you'll see my wonderful herd there uh, on the on the site uh, area where the pictures are located. All right that sounds good. How do people get services from you? Well I prefer that people contact me through my um, email my contact page on my websites and or they can call me um, and leave a voicemail, 713-882-4268. I take, I'm only on one insurance plan now. I've gotten off most insurance, which, by the way, most insurance companies will not pay for equine therapy. Uh, it is an exclusion, and I think it's a, a shame. I think it's awful because equine therapy has been around for over 30 years now, Um they, they complain that there's not enough research, and the research is lacking. Uh, they are uh, Horse and Human Research Foundation that's been established, uh, is working on research. But there is research out there, but it's not as extensive as it is with hippotherapy. But again, hippotherapy is a totally different kind of modality. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to know that um, most insurance companies will refuse to pay for equine therapy. So a lot of those patients are cash pay. Yeah, they have to be cash pay. Wow. That's good to know. That's really important. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Janet, for coming onto the podcast. We really appreciate your time and your effort and everything that you do on a daily basis and with your horses and your contributions to the mental health community. So thank you so much for taking the time coming onto the podcast. Thank, well, thank you so much, Crystal. I, like I said, I'm just so honored that you asked me to do this, and I'm, I always love being able to um, extend out and help others that are getting into this field and in all areas of counseling because it's there's so many options out there. There's so many wonderful things that we can do in this counseling world, and I appreciate what you're doing by doing this podcast and helping others. One last very special thank you to Janet Nicholas for everything that she does in the mental health community and for introducing me to equine therapy. If you have any questions for her or if you would like to write to me about any ideas you have for season three, which is going to be all about pop culture and counseling, please write to me at hello at through the eyes of a therapist.org. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, so come say hi sometime. Thanks for listening to Through the Eyes of a Therapist podcast. This is Crystal Martinez Acosta. Until next time.